Hello and welcome to another episode of The Curriculum, a podcast from Cornerstones Education. We do our best to provide advice, insight and information for primary school leaders and teachers, all in the time it takes to get to work or grab a quick cuppa. Hello, today I'm joined by Janet Carroll, who is one of our Cornerstones consultants working in the South. Morning. Morning, Janet. Um, Going to be talking particularly about curriculum design. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, obviously schools are always interested in curriculum design and pretty much most of the schools I've worked are in a a constant cycle of (laughs) review. Um, But currently there is a renewed spotlight from Ofsted on the curriculum Mm -hmm. and the importance of curriculum design. So should we just start by um, sharing some of the the key messages that we're hearing from Ofsted? Yeah, so the most recent and obvious message has come via Sean Harford and those of people out there who follow him on Twitter will know um, he's been talking a lot about um, breadth and depth of learning. Um, And also from Amanda Spielman, who has been referring to Perhaps an admission that this um, test-led system that we currently have is very high stakes and I know from experience as Deputy Head, it can lead to a narrowing of the curriculum for children where tests take over as opposed to the content of the learning. So the new messages are that school leaders need to really have a clear understanding of their intent um, of their curriculum and its implementation and its impact. That's right. And and there's also a key message about being able to articulate your curriculum. That's right. There's a, uh, a really key quote, I think, about knowing it and not necessarily proving it, which is quite key these days. Yeah, and I think that's a really big shift mm. from the kinds of messages um, or the kind of expectations that schools have had previously, the shift to doing what you know is right yeah. rather than proving. That's right. Or, or, or doing what you think Offset or other external parties might want to see doing what you know as a senior yeah. leader is right. And for it your is, it's, it's refreshing to hear the most senior, you know, leaders of, of the ways uh, that education is formed actually giving over those messages, almost giving permission for those leaders to be brave about their own passions and their own beliefs about their curriculum content. So the review that Amanda Spielman's just carried out, I think it was that they, they looked at um, 40 schools, which is quite a small sample. Mm. Um, have, you, have you any knowledge or experience of any of those schools that Ofsted visited? And have you, have you seen any of the, the work that's going on in those schools? Yeah, so uh, one of the schools I know that took part was a school called Ashford Park Primary, and I visited there recently, and they were visited as part of the um, review. And it was very much about the breadth and depth, particular foundation subjects and how they were being applied um, across school and being made more of a focus in terms of rigour and, uh, you know, what kinds of approaches the school using to link those foundation subjects mm. together more. That's quite a significant change, isn't it? Mm. From I mean, what, what was, I mean, you've been in school quite recently. So yeah. what was your your personal experience of inspection and how was that different to what you can see happening now? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm a governor and recently again, my school was inspected and the the inspectors were definitely interested in asking the question, how are you currently um, assessing your foundation subjects? So I think there is a spotlight turning to the rigour of those foundation subjects, which I think hasn't been as prevalent before. I know for sure that when I've been a deputy as an inspection, uh, you know, people have asked, the inspectors have asked me questions. It's been more, much more focused on the reading culture of the school, how maths and English are being taught and very little um, discussion about any other subjects. And and also, I suppose that opens up a, 
not a debate maybe, but a, a focus in turn on teacher expertise in mm. subjects and also teacher training. Absolutely. Um, what do you think the implications might be then for schools in terms of subjects and subject specialisms and teacher expertise in those subjects? Yeah, I think I think it's, it's, it's allowing or it's suggesting to schools, I think, that they do need to refocus that. I know when I was first in, in leadership, um, and I led subjects like RE and geography over my career way back. So say 10 years ago, we were given a particular CPD sessions that we had to lead for. And I think that's drifted a little. I think mm. in the last school I was deputy in, all our CPD sessions were in English and maths. Mm. Um, and then little the time was given. But I think this new focus actually will drive those subject specialisms back to the fore. And in the schools that are brave enough to really take it on board, I would recommend that they're thinking about you know, raising the profile of, of all of the subjects so that subject leaders feel they should be leading and should be the experts in their field and they should be driving what hopefully is their own passion to lead a subject mm. through the entire school by providing more training and, you know, raising everybody's understanding of what that subject can do in terms of progression across time. Great. So if we just have a think about um, you working with some, some schools who are currently reviewing or looking to redesign the curriculum. Um, obviously we, we can't deny we're here from cornerstones mm -hmm. and you know we've been working on a very particular approach to curriculum design um, could you could you tell us a little bit about that and how that works yeah so obviously the approach that we would recommend when you're thinking about designing your curriculum every school is unique every school needs to start with their own beliefs really passionately at the center of what they want for their children um, and so the first thing any curriculum design thought has to start with is about the principles and purpose of that education and I think it's about senior leaders asking themselves about the big ideas their principles their purpose the intent for that curriculum and also really importantly communicating that to everyone in school because what you need to be able to do is for every teacher to articulate that same vision that mm -hmm. same belief and so if it's coming from a central point where there's passion and belief in why you're choosing that curriculum mm -hmm. approach uh, then your teachers will be able to articulate and I'm just as importantly mm -hmm. the children will be able to articulate why they're doing the learning that they are and and what sort of support so you as a consultant going into cornerstone schools what what kind of work would you do with the school to review their curriculum principles so I uh, yeah I'd get them to think about their unique context about what their children need for example in in my original school one of our main um purposes was that we wanted to give the children the experiences we knew they weren't getting from home they weren't necessarily getting museum visits they weren't necessarily hearing classical music or having a broad range of theatre experiences and that was one of our key principles that we felt they were entitled to receive that from school because they weren't necessarily getting it from home it might be that your particular curriculum approach might be because you're in a particular geographical area um, it might be that you're in Norfolk and near you know particular areas of waterways or it might be that you're situated near a beach it might be that you are um, in a city centre that has a particularly rich history in architecture but what you need to do is focus on the uniqueness of your school and the children's needs and be clear about that um, and the reasons that you might be offering them those opportunities. And, and that takes us really nicely onto what I know is the sec second step, which is the entitlement and enrichment. So what kind of work would you do with a school or what, what would you be asking um, a school to think about in that part of their curriculum design? So, yeah, that's about those, you know, the non-negotiables, like I said. So you might decide that um, every class is entitled to a visitor or a trip or um, an experience that involves going out of school. So it might be that you decide you want outdoor learning to be an absolute entitlement for every child. It might be that you decide to take a, you know, a forest schools approach or use an, an area outside of school. 
Um, so it really is about agreeing what the absolute minimum is that each child you feel is entitled to as part of their um, experience of your curriculum in your school. And I think it's really important, isn't it, that, that you do that right at the beginning of designing your curriculum mm. because often you can feel a pressure of, oh, we need to do a visit to or we need to make sure we're doing you know, an, an outdoor learning project. But if you've set that right from the outset, yeah, you can plan for it, you can prepare for it. And the pressure of panicking that you're not including all yes. of those experiences yeah. is not there because you know you've planned for it and yeah. it's something everybody's agreed on. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think it is about that agreed principles and like I say, sharing it all with staff so they know the expectation is. Um, and also I think whenever I talk about curriculum design, I ask the te- senior leaders and teachers to think about think about a single child traveling mm. through your curriculum as a journey. So imagine that child um, traveling from nursery or reception in your school all the way through to year six. What experiences would they have had as an individual? And you can almost visualize um, a child mm. traveling through that curriculum. If you think about it as an individual child, yeah. it gives you a really key focus on if it was my child what would I want them to experience yeah. during that, this? that's a really lovely way of, of, of thinking about it isn't yeah. it because yeah. like you say you can just imagine all the experiences they'll encounter yeah. all the opportunities they'll be given and maybe if you have that picture in your mind of how you want that child to leave yeah. your school yeah what what kind of person do you want them to be what yeah. kind of experiences do you want them to have then you can almost plan backwards yes exactly we, we we approached it we wanted we came up with kind of three key um personality traits that we wanted children to leave our school with so it you know That's creative nice. curious confident so it, i think as well distilling those visions down into a like a vision of a not yeah. a perfect into your child but a child you want, yeah, yeah it helps you maintain that articulation because you can not that you should have to justify but you can um you can say this is the reason our curriculum is like this because we are educating children to be creative as opposed to we are educating children to be as in the old words level or uh, you know a standardized score i think it's it's a bigger vision when you're first planning the curriculum and so once a school has worked on their curriculum principles and they've worked on the entitlements and the enrichment experiences what's the next step the next step is to think about your breadth and balance, really. It's to think about what combinations of, of, of themes or areas do you want the children to experience. So, um, again, we've got statutory requirements, so you might have to think about your history content particularly. Um, but in the wider context of themes, it comes, again, a lot back to where you are geographically, where the needs of your children are. And, again, when you plan the whole curriculum, thinking about that individual journey and thinking, well, you know, a child can come back to themes and learn them in a different way. So it might be that you come back to water-based themes or or city-based themes because of of your school location. It might be that you come and use a lot of drama or theatre-based experiences because of where you are, because of what your children need. But I think it's about really looking at a a combination. And if you feel really strongly that you should only lightly touch a particular area of the curriculum, then you, you should be able to say why you've done that because you've looked at the whole curriculum and they say that child, that single child traveling through it. In my experience as being a senior leader, it's always the most difficult. And I spent most of my in-school career being a deputy head teacher with responsibility for curriculum. And it, at that time, it was quite often down to me to generate the content, to, to write the content. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's a huge task yeah. and, it, and it can take a very long time. Yeah, so really good quality materials out there that schools can use mm. to, to enhance that process. How would you advise schools to use, for example, the Cornerstones projects to help build up some of that content? How does that work with a school? 
I think with any commercial scheme, whether it's Cornerstones or another one, it mm. is still about making it your own. So it is still about handing your teachers the professional um, expertise, so supporting them with content, but never forgetting that they are all graduate professionals, that they can uh, you know, take ownership. Um, understanding a clear pedagogy is massively important. So from a Cornerstones perspective, obviously, we would always talk about the wow start, the engage. The developing the content of the knowledge and skills followed by an opportunity to use and apply massively important for assessment purposes and then a period of reflection so again it's about taking any commercial scheme or approach that you might do but still holding on to that professional expertise and making it your own and understanding that that breadth and balance comes from the choices that not only your senior leaders may have made in choosing the themes or suggesting themes but that within your own classroom practice, you are, you can also be responsible for that breadth and balance within each individual theme. And so once you've gone through that process, you've designed the structure of your curriculum, you've generated the content, you've organised it into projects or themes. Um, how, how do you check that you've covered everything that you need to cover, as well as all the things that you said you want to cover in your principles and entitlement and enrichment? Yeah, we get a lot of get a lot of as a school school we get lots of questions about coverage. There's lots of anxiety about coverage, um, and naturally so because teachers are very conscientious, and we are handed a statutory mm. framework from the government that says we have to cover X, Y, Z has been massively slimmed um and again the braver leaders out there i think recognize um i'll give you an example of i'm, I'm sure she won't mind me quoting her <laughs> um so amy chitty head teacher at st bottle so over in kent she's very passionate about um that she doesn't concentrate so much on ticking boxes for coverage because she believes more passionately about the skills a child might learn as a historian as opposed to saying we've definitely taught them the Greeks we've mm. definitely taught them the Romans we've definitely you know she says those things are covered but she tries to to remove the pressure from the teachers to um, tick boxes on coverage and I think that's true and I think again inspection teams you know very rarely focus on how much detailed mm. coverage you've got but I think you do as teachers are all conscientious and care very deeply that they have done their statutory as you would expect so when schools have put their curriculum structure in, in place and have started to develop their content, um, what, what do you think schools need to do in terms of just checking that they've got the correct coverage? How would you advise schools to do that? Okay, so again, actually making me think about it, it goes back to um, your subject leadership as well and having the responsibility of each subject leader being confident that their area has been covered in the way that they want it to be. Um, and obviously from a senior leader perspective that the national curriculum has been covered teachers will almost automatically conscientiously check against the national curriculum that they've covered what's required for their year group but equally there are uh, practical ways you know you can do your book looks you can look through teachers planning um, and of course we have tools at cornerstones that allow you to check very quickly using electronic methods still that doesn't mean you don't go and follow up uh, with the traditional mm. curriculum review mm. idea that you have a meeting to discuss what's you know what do we want to tweak or change to make sure that the children traveling into year four for example um, cover the, any missed areas so it's about constantly looking back so when a school's gone through that that big piece of work the planning the planning out their structure developing the content checking that everything's covered what's next Next is really about translating that big vision, the, the big approach to the curriculum down to your teaching team. So actually, when they are in the classroom, uh, I've referenced it before, that they have a clear understanding of the pedagogical approach you want them to take as a leadership team. So in our case, you'd want them to be sure they've got a wow start, they've got an engaging 
um, opening to each of the themes so that they uh, get the children curious and asking lots of questions. My advice always is, from our point of view, is to start with the end point and plan backwards. So from our use and apply section, which is where the children innovate and think about problem solving and, and answering a, you know, a proposed challenge. So if a teacher knows where the learning is heading, uh, they have a clear view of how the pedagogical approach is, is, is expected to happen in, the, in that particular curriculum. So they'd start from looking at where the challenge is going to end up for the children, linking that to their wow start. They then would build a pathway that in Cornerstones we call develop through a series of sequence of lessons to provide the children with the knowledge, the skills, the understanding to then successfully tackle that challenge when it comes along that use and apply. And I think it's really important to recognise that that from a teaching perspective is the point at which you assess how deep that learning has gone for those individuals or those groups. So it really is about um, understanding the delivery, the teaching narrative, as we would call it, to produce the children that have recognized that they've been learning too so that express part of our approach the reflection and consolidation of learning at the end is massively important too so I think when I advise the teaching narrative side to schools it's about them all understanding the really important purpose of each of those phases of learning that each has a significant purpose in its own so you've got your purpose of your curriculum which is your wider intentions but when you're down to classroom level, each stage of that theme has a specific purpose and outcome for those children. So your engage stage is about creating questions and curiosity. Your develop is about learning the content and the knowledge and the skills. Your innovate is about showing me what you know, showing off what you can do now. And your express is about tell me about your learning so that you can articulate and reflect. And it's that cognitive awareness that they have been learning, that they're able to say, well, I'm not good at this. I'm not as good at this as I'd like to be, or I'm better at this now. And those reflection parts are just as important. So, yeah, you take your bigger principles and you distill them down into that clear pedagogical approach as a teacher. And the final um, step on, on our process is resourcing. And I know it can take a long time to, to create and generate good quality resources because mm. I always say good quality curriculum deserves yeah. good quality resources you can't yeah. necessarily do it on a, a shoestring what would you advise schools in terms of resourcing their lessons and resourcing the curriculum it is it's a tricky one I mean again when the curriculum was rewritten in 2014 a lots of the themes stayed in so in terms of practical things you know a lot of your um, subject areas are still there so schools hopefully um, have got core resources that they can draw on but yeah I'd agree I mean the internet's a wonderful thing but it is about making sure you do provide something that is high quality that is specifically linked to what you're teaching and not a tenuous you know document or image that you've just hopefully sort of squeezed into your subject area but it is a big question and I think it's about being practical and about well, some schools have been really innovative, like, for example, instead of having subject-based budgets, um, they've mm -hmm. gone to class-based budgets. So we did that in my school where instead of saying, you know, the science leader might get a little bit, oh, I don't know why I'm buying these Connect materials, you know, because I'm not sure everyone's going to use them. So they're not happy necessarily to take that out of their budget. But actually, once we went to classroom topic budgets for, and gave everyone really a good certain idea. fixed yeah. amount then it went into a topic box for that, you know, that theme and then it could be used again the next year. But it also gave a little bit more um, power to the individual class teachers um, to resource themselves accurately, as it were, as opposed to just making do with what the science leader had bought or was in the cupboard. So, yeah, it's a big question. Obviously, we would say we do provide 
at Cornerstone is loads of amazing high quality resources but because of our belief in the fact that if you're going to stimulate and excite children when they are learning then it's got to be high quality. That's great and I think we're going to leave it there today Janet so thank you very much for all your uh, expertise and insight into uh, the um, process of curriculum design Um, we'll say bye for now thank you. Thanks bye. And that's it for this episode of the curriculum. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or iPad. Or if you have an Android device, you can try something like Pocket Casts. It means you get the episodes going straight to your phone or tablet, and you can discover a whole world of other podcasts out there. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please tell someone about it. Just uh, send them a quick email or give them a nudge in person. Um, if you want to know more about Cornerstones, the curriculum, as in the Cornerstones curriculum, and um, other products, you can go to cornerstoneseducation.co.uk and you can learn more about this show, including how to subscribe at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk slash podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback and any ideas you might have for the show. Just get in touch by emailing podcasts at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk or drop us a line on Twitter, where we are Cornerstones EDU. That's it. Speak to you next time.